Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Outside Shots. Uh, we're in the thick of it, folks. We got a lot of stuff going on right now. Man, how about them D-backs? Man, that was that, hey, that, that that team's starting to they're starting to they're starting to win some people over, Eddie. You owe me an apology. Why? Oh, what? Whoa, I did not see that as a as a curveball. Uh, tell me why. You remember when they were both, when the Cubs and Marlins and the Diamondbacks were both going at it. Mm -hmm. And I said to you that I would rather the Cubs finish in the last wild card spot. Because I said they'll play Milwaukee. They don't want to play Philly. I said that to you okay. and you pushed back on me. You like, no, 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 no. You, you thinking too highly of Philly. No. Did I? Yes. Uh, I think. I no, think, no, no, you did. You said they didn't. No, no. <laughs> I think we were ready for anyone anytime. No. I think I Your response like to me was you pushed back on the idea <laughs> that it was probably better to play Milwaukee. I know Milwaukee better than anybody because they're in Central sure. Division. Sure. So sure. I knew once the Diamondbacks had them that they could beat. I knew because Milwaukee historically meltdown. Yeah. No but pun intended. Here's my with thought the on baseball. I know we're talking basketball. No, you, you, but here's yeah. my thought on baseball. And I don't know if people out there are going to agree with me on this, or even you. You play 162 games. 162 games. You exhaust your pitchers. You exhaust your players. You fight hard to gain the position that you did. And yet, it's only a freaking two out of three game series. It used to be I, one. I don't like it. Why? Because you, when you play that long of a season, you got to have some continued longness to it. Like, for instance, Tampa Bay got off to a great start. They got off to a tremendous start this season. And I, I know they had home games, but that doesn't mean anything in baseball to me. It, home, home field advantage in baseball is so overrated. It means Ooh. nothing. Crowd is so separated away from you. It truly out of any sport, home field advantage in baseball means jack squat to me. Have you did you see Philly? You use your own example. Philly I, I, was no popping. Oh, I, I understand that, but but my point is, I don't think they're more because it's so cavernous. It's like it's not you can yeah you can hear it because it's elevated on TV. They turn the mic up on TV, but for me, I don't think for me. You should have at least a three out of five game series. Oh, the, the least three out of five. You should never be two out of three. That's all. I mean, to me, it's like it's unfair. It truly is unfair to the teams that exhausted their pitchers and exhausted themselves to be able to finish where they did. And then at the end of the season, they only get a day of rest. And then they got to play. No, I, I, baseball's got to get it right, man. Cut the damn season down then. Cut the season down. Cut off five games, but I just think you should have three out of five. I just, I just think any the worst team in, in baseball could go into the, the Dodgers, play the Dodgers, and beat them twice. It's hard to beat a team three and four times. I don't care how you look at it. It is hard to beat a very good team better than you three or four times. Two times, you can get them. I can name you many instances in the NBA where – we won two games, and we were seventh and eighth seed. Well, the Lakers did that to the Suns. The year the Suns went to the finals. Yes, yeah. 
So you can, it, it, that, to me, I, I just think they need to get that right. Mm. I, I disagree. I disagree. I think, hey, you, you played 162 games to put yourself in a position. You put yourself in that position uh, as a as a you know second, third wild card team. You play a best of five, uh, best of three series. I think that's plenty good enough. I think that's just fine. I, I I have no problem. I I did not like the one game playoff because I agreed with you. Like one game, like what if your rotation didn't set up to where you're going to use your best pitcher in that one game? That that's kind of terrible. But I think if especially if you have home field advantage in those three games like Milwaukee did, that's just no excuse. You got to show up. You got to you know and 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 to uh, against Milwaukee. You know, they had a, an injured pitcher. One of their star pitchers was injured as well, and so he couldn't even pitch in this this round. And who knows if he would have been able to to pitch in the next round. I, I think three games is plenty. Like, I like again, the Dodgers, the Braves, you know, are, are, are the Astros, they're all sitting at home just waiting for this round to be over with. They don't need a whole week off. Like, eh, it's, it's be good. Star, welcome back, Josh. Good to see you in the in the chat. He says, I disagree. I think baseball fans can really get inside the player's head better than anywhere else, chirping at them in the dugout when they're practice swinging on, on deck in the outfield incessant. No. <laughs> no. N-O, no. They can't. People that's in the stands tend to think they can buy. Don't you understand that athletes have been conditioned since the, since the day they got on a field? To ignore your asses? Some of them got rabbit ears, though. You no, know that. But they use that as ammunition to focus more. Like, okay. you can't mess with guys that have gone through this since Little League all the way to the professional ranks, man. No. That's true. Trust me, That's I true. played in the NBA. The fans are on top of you. Trust me. The Utah Jazz had a heckle on every damn corner of the arena. And go ask them what they call me. The Jazz Killer. <laughs> I loved it, ate it up, and wanted to show them. You know, you all don't affect us like you think. It's kind of ironic, though, huh? They called you the Jazz Killer when they took the Jazz to Utah and essentially killed yeah. Jazz. Um, also, on top of that, I, I will agree with you on that. I absolutely agree with you on that. You know, I remember an instance when I was in college and we were playing against Eastern Arizona. Uh, shout out to Thatcher and Stat uh, I think Sanford, Stafford, something like that, Arizona. We were playing out there, and there was a group of football players out there in the corner that were just making fun of me at every which turn. Mm -hmm. I dropped 18 in the second half. We beat their ass, and, and I just kind of smiled at them because, you know, like that's the fun part of, right. of sports is like when you can give it back. And the Suns are trying to give it back on the court. They're, uh, you know, we're going to call this the wear and tear of uh, the, the, the preseason. Uh, training camp, they're in the thick of it, uh, and I, you know, I, I thought we would take this episode, Eddie, to kind of take a get a peek behind the curtain, so to speak. You know, we these practices are closed to the public, they're closed to the media until like the last, you know, little bits, and so we don't get to see all the little details and all the things that go into a training camp. So I had a lot of questions for you to kind of educate our fans on on what training camp is all about. All okay, right. so first first and foremost, okay. When we're talking about training camp and you got new players like you do now, does everybody get like a playbook um, like of, of sets that you, you, you know, you're going to run through the season offensively, defensively, uh, concepts, things of that nature? Or do they show up in like day one or, you know, or maybe the, the day before the first practice, everybody kind of has a general meeting, talks about some of the concepts and then you got to practice with those concepts in mind as you move forward. How, how does that all work? Depends on the coach. Uh, and how and it depends on the coach and then obviously the oldness and the newness of your team. 
you know, if this coach has been with players for a while, he only has to really catch two or three guys up. He might not send anything out. Uh, but yeah, we do book like this, but it, it's ever changing. Like mm-hmm. you can give you a book and you know, they give you some with terminology and what they'd like to do. Uh, I'm sure in today's game now, they've gotten even more analytical ahead of themselves where they're telling you where you should shoot from and all that uh, robots. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's like, it's, it's different, different coaches have different ways of doing things, but yeah, I mean, it's a, it's the terminology. That's why I say most young players that come to the league, they have no idea uh, what they're encountering. Mm-hmm. And that's why they sometimes struggle because plays change every game. Like I played for Larry Brown. We'd run a play called, you know, say 1B or 1C. Well, if you miss practice, it'll still be 1B or 1C, but he changed the play. Yeah. So he won't change the number. He'll change the play. Like a variation of the play or the entire He play? might change the entire damn play, damn. man. Okay. And, and so you got to stay on top of that. And so, yeah, it, it's, it's different ways. But, you know, most coaches will – they will have a, a book that, that'll give you and, and talk about certain things, uh, tendencies and how we're going to play and all of that. It's constantly stuff in a player's locker. Like every day you walk into the locker room, you're going to see tons of stuff on your chair, uh, in your locker that you have to stay on top of, whether it's from the team, whether it's from the league, whether it's from the players association or what have you, it's always stuff that you're constantly having to take in. So yeah, training camp, that's what it's school. And it's unfortunate. These guys don't stay in training camp long. When I was in training camp back in the day, we went 28 days. We'd had training camp start October 1st, and we'd be in training camp to October 28th. And we'd play nine exhibition games in that span of a month. And we'd go two-a-days virtually every day. We would practice on the day of an exhibition game. I'm saying taped practice. Yeah. You try to pull that on these guys right now, they'd probably – they'd please, they'd call in the, they'd call in the Marines. <laughs> It's not happening. <laughs> they call it the Marines. It's not happening. That's not the way it is. Uh, I was at Denver Nuggets camp yesterday with my radio show, you know, interviewing them. I just travel around. I have to do my show in different locations for training camp. And, you know, beautiful facility in San Diego. And, you know, five courts and all of that. And they're having to get all this stuff done. They're on every court because they can only practice one time. They can't go back-to-back two-a-days. And if they do two-a-days, they can't tape. The second practice is it's crazy. That's wild. So it's a lot of teaching too. So yeah, it's it's laborious, man. It's not easy. I never, I never, I I wasn't always enthralled with training camp. Yeah, you know, because uh, you you you're gonna work. You know, one of the other things that that I had a question about was like, uh, you know, we saw that clip of of Devin, uh, Katie, Beal, uh, and at the time, Da, they were all walking out of the gym at UCLA. Um, but you saw some of the co- assistant coaches, Kevin Young, uh-huh. Miles Simon, and stuff like that. Right? Are they getting a head start on, on that kind of stuff? Do other yeah. teams do that kind of stuff? Oh, it, yeah. It's not a it's not a practice per se, but maybe they're just like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna teams work out players all the time during the off season. Summer teams will dispatch their assistant coaches to certain cities. Is that legal? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. They'll so dispatch I didn't know that. their coaches yeah. to certain cities, and they'll work out guys. Just okay. can't have an organized practice uh, with everybody in there, right? Gotcha. Because the Players Association would push back on it. I don't think the league would too much care about it, but the Players Association would not like it. So uh, the players have control that way. 
So yeah, so like when they're in LA or something, they can have individual workouts. But I don't think I think they can only have a certain number of guys in the gym or in the area at the same time that they're working out. They can't do it as a full team. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's constant. As soon as the season's over, you normally you know when you're a young player, you're taking a couple of weeks off and you're right back at it every day. Your older player, you probably take a month or so off if you're a super older player like I was at the end of my career. I take two months off. Yeah. I wouldn't even touch a ball. Like my last five, six years in the league, I didn't touch a ball to August. Wow. Literally. I ran, I lifted, but I didn't touch a ball. So it's like it's different ways to do it. Uh, yeah, but these guys, September 1st, they were here in town. Mm -hmm. It's normally after Labor Day, and they're playing every day. So they're familiar, and the coaches can watch. So they'll take them to the side and say, hey, run this, run that. You have veterans on there that can run certain things that you are going to work on. And so, yeah, so it's – it's an unorganized practice. That's what it is. Okay, but so so when we're going through like you know the, the Suns right now, they had they had a two a day on their first day of practice, which was on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Then they just had a single day of practice yesterday. Same thing, I, I assume, for the rest of practice. How, you know, it, it, when it comes to two a days, obviously you just mentioned it a little bit ago. You guys used to run two a days basically every single day, right. even on game days. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like th that that's a grind. Now the rules have changed because mm -hmm. the Players Association didn't want the wear and tear on the athletes like it is now. Um, how do how does a coach go about implementing their system? Because if you told me on the surface, hey, you got a week to prepare these guys for for mm -hmm. for the first preseason game. Mm -hmm. I'd, I'd have been like, dude, that's not enough time. Mm -hmm. Like, I just, I have too many concepts. I have too many things that I'm trying to get. Mm -hmm. and, and more importantly, I got to learn about all these new players yeah. um, that are now to the roster. So how, how do you think uh, coaches manage that uh, difficulty, really, on a day-to-day -day basis? Step by step. They don't put everything in. Like, Sun's first exhibition game, they'll probably run one or two plays. And I don't even, and a lot of times, they don't even show the playbook. Because they don't want teams to scout them during the exhibition season. Mm -hmm. So they won't run a lot of their stuff. They'll run most of their stuff in practice. They'll use the games, the exhibition games, as a way of continually getting in shape, uh, developing continuity, uh, taking a look at guys that on the edges of making the team. And they'll run maybe one or two out-of-bounds plays uh, every time. And they'll run maybe one or two sets. That's it. They're not going to run a lot of stuff. They're just going to just try to just get guys acclimated and just get them in rhythm with each other. Uh, and then near the end of, you know, near the end of the training camp, the last week before the season starts, they'll start putting stuff in. Even when the season starts, you probably only have maybe a quarter or half of the stuff in that you're going to use. Mm -hmm. So it's, it takes a while, man, because it's, it's always evolving because the scouting process is so good at the professional levels that, you know, people can peek in and you don't want to show them and give them everything. And so it's always changing. Uh, you're picking up other teams' plays. Like, Larry Brown, I'm serious. If a team drove us nuts and we couldn't guard them when I was in Indiana, he'd take their play. Because I remember playing against, I think it was the Knicks or something, and they're like, damn, that's our play. <laughs> you know, they don't care. Yeah. They'll use other people's stuff. They'll steal from each other during the course of a game. So it's evolving. So it's really no urgency. Yeah. It's where you going, oh, oh, we got to hurry up and get ready. No, sure. no, no. It, it's not that. Okay. We got a super chat from Bobby Cox. Hi, Eddie and Saul. Saul, uh, strange things come out and weird things happen when it gets dark. Saul, 
Remember, the freaks come out at night, all caps. Just looking out for you, Saul. I got your back, Saul. Thank you for saying my name 18 times, Bobby. I appreciate you. Uh, and also, what that's do you mean good, by that? I don't know. Did I say something about the nighttime or? Okay. All right. Well, uh, maybe wrong. maybe he can explain. Uh, and then uh, Josh again in the chat did say uh, he had a good question. He's like, I wonder how. No, no. Uh, yeah. I wonder how Booker is feeling uh, for this training camp. Obviously, he's had to start over in, in, in quote uh, so many times with new coaches and new playbooks, but does this time hit different after the money era? Um, does it help when you've had to go through, through so many different versions in your organization from new coaches, new systems? Uh, does it get easier um, as you, as you hit, you know, your fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth coach, maybe for some people, Well, of course it gets easier. You just know how to adapt. Uh, yeah. It gets easier. And I think Devin is probably excited more so than anything because of of the the unknown like you know this is a almost a this is a new team surrounding him and you know but it's a talented team and so he's excited about the prospects of what could happen yeah like when you lose teammates yeah you lose your friends and you miss that part of it but you know Devin can pick up the phone and call Mikael you can call Cam. They, they, they like they're not gone. <laughs> you know they they're on another team, and you still keep that friendship. And uh, you know if he had to do it all over again and get KD, uh, and have to give up those two, he would do it. So it's just the nature of the business. So I'm sure he's very excited about what's getting ready to happen. Uh, you know we we're gonna move on to the, like the next part of training camp that I always have a question about in the grinding concepts. Um, you know, obviously it's a grind. It's, it's day to day and it's maybe it's a little less of a grind now than it was before. But, you know, like you said, these guys have been playing uh, pretty, pretty steady since September uh, 1st or, or a little bit after Labor Day. Um, what kind of things do, do you see like these athletes doing on a day to day basis to try and help take care of their bodies? Um, what are coaches doing to make sure that they're, t they're helping these players take care of their bodies that maybe didn't exist before? Well, I mean, science has gotten better, uh, without a doubt. Uh, like, back in our day, man, you know, science wasn't at the level it is, but the toughness is so much better back then than it is now. Yeah. Like, and if the, you knew, if the, if the current players want to push back on that, please, how can you push back on it? If you're going to say the medicine is better now and you're getting more information now, then you have to understand that we didn't have that information back then. And so we were playing through injuries. Like we were playing through situations where today you would probably sit out two weeks. We were actually still playing. Give me an example. One time my elbow was this big uh, and playing for cotton. It was this big. And uh, like bursitis or something? Like no, that? I don't know what happened. It burst a sack, busted or something like that, that but that's, it hurt. That, that's bursitis. Okay, but it hurt. <laughs> Okay, it's bursitis. Yes, it's called a bursar sack. I know, but it's there's a there's a technical term for it. Well, no, I don't think it was bursitis. I okay. think no, no, you're wrong. It was just it's, 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 it's the bursar okay. sack that just busts. Okay? okay, I didn't have bursitis. All right, uh, Doctor Saul, let's call Saul. <clears throat> okay, uh, no, that wasn't it. But I went out and played, and they didn't think I could play. I went out and warmed up. I was in pain. But guess what? I had 35 at night. <laughs> like, 
you know, so we pushed ourselves past the limit. These guys don't. So they have a lot of people telling them that they shouldn't play instead of them saying, I can't play. Yeah. And so that's the difference. And so they have that technology. But is it helping them? Seriously. I was watching the Denver practice yesterday. Michael Porter Jr. went down with an ankle sprain. Boom. Just like that. First five minutes of practice. Like, you know, you, you cannot, like – guess that you could get injured based on resting and based on all that. You got to get yourself in shape. And the key thing is what I always believe, if you're in shape, if you're taking care of yourself, then you'll be able to recover faster from an injury. Mm -hmm. That's the only thing you should think about. Put yourself in position to recover faster from whatever is going to happen because something is going to happen. Yeah. You play that sport, you're going to get hurt. Okay, you're going to get injured. And so because of that, you want to put yourself in a position to where you can recover quickly. One of the best guys at recovering quickly I've ever seen was Amari Stoudemire. Like, talk about all his injuries all you want. Mm -hmm. But the dude came back, and he came back better than what he was when he went. Hmm. If you remember with the microfracture, yeah. he came back, he was jumping higher than he did for he went, with the injury. Wouldn't happen. Mm -hmm. His eye. Yeah. He had to lay on the table for like, what, 15 hours a day, face down, okay? Came back, was unbelievable. I couldn't miss jumpers. So to me, it's how you come back from injury. You know, Kevin Durant coming back from the Achilles and still playing at a super high level. That impresses me more than somebody that, well, he's injury prone. No, everybody's injury prone. You putting yourself in the wrong position, you can get injured. But how quickly can you come back? Do you think, uh, I mean, I feel like I'm going to answer my own question, but, um, you know, I want to hear it from you. Do you think some guys are better at hiding injuries than others, and that's why they don't get held out of as many games, and that's what leads to the injury-prone moniker? No, I would say it this way. Some dudes just has, have a high pain tolerance, and others just soften. You know what? They baby, can't. Baby They're shit. scared. Yeah, you can say They're it. They're scared. You can say it. That's baby what it shit. is. They're scared. Yeah. yeah. Like – I'm not patting myself on the back, but I will tell you, I rarely took pain medicine. I just deal with the pain. Uh, Would you just put on like that John the Conqueror route and just rub it I around just, or I something just, or what? You know, look, I might take a, a Advil, but I wasn't taking like that hardcore stuff. Okay. Like I, one time I took that protocol, what's it, Profofol, whatever it is that the athletes can take, and it makes you feel like you're five years younger. I'm not kidding you. And I once had a teammate, I won't say his name, but he would take it every game. And so one time my back was hurting, I took it. And I'm serious. I felt like, and I was 35 at the time, I felt like I was freaking 23. Mm. And it scared me. <laughs> it literally scared I was dunking in the layup line. They were looking at me like, what the heck? And I said to myself, I told the trainer that I will never take that shot again. Huh? And I never did. No, I wasn't taking that. It's addictive. I'm not, I don't know if I'm addictive personality or not. I'm not doing that. Yeah. You know, and so some guys would rather get in shape with medicine and always taking st shots and all that. No, I think if you learn how to play through pain, it makes you tougher. Mm. You know, I had knee surgery. I had to go back in and get a second knee surgery. And I'll never do it again, but I was like, I don't want to go under again. And I said, no. I'll just stay awake. Just numb it and I'll stay awake. Bro, what? Yeah. For a knee surgery? It was, It was. well, it wasn't like... Like a meniscus or something like that? No, no. I had a quad tendon repair and then I had some I had some uh, scar tissue 
that wasn't healing. Dude, and so he said, Eddie, we got to go back in. You are different right yeah, now. He said, you said, wait, wait, I got to go back to this. <laughs> you were, you said, no, I don't want to be put under for no. a, for a, cause they got to open you up. They got to get inside you yes. to, to fix whatever was going on. Yes. And you were like, nah, just, yes. you know, give me a piece of wood and, and, a, and yes. a belt and, and I'll just yes. go. He numbed, <laughs> he, numbed, he numbed the area of my knee. He numbed the area. <laughs> and I'm watching it, right? He numbed the area. He numbed the area of my knee. And, and so he took the scalpel out, right? And, <laughs> you know, the scalpel is cold, right? So he put the scalpel on my knee. And I felt it. Uh huh. I said, "Oh, hey, hey, man. <laughs> hey, man. Because <laughs> it's like ice cold. It's cold. Uh huh. I said, hey, hey, man. He said, "What? I said, I'm not numb all the way yet. So he had to go back in there and numb me up some more. And then when he did it, yeah, I saw he he slit the. Did area. you watch it the whole time? Yes, I watched. I well, this well, I'm telling you, I said I'll never do it again. But he slit the area. Okay, and I saw it open up, you know, right below my kneecap. It opened up. I could see the scar tissue. And so then he took this thing, man. It's almost like one of them, like, irons, like you do in carpentry. It's like yeah. it burns. Yeah, cauterizer. Yeah, it and cauterizes. he put it on there, and they started burning that thing up. And I didn't have a problem with watching it. <laughs> the smell. Yeah. <laughs> the smell, man. Oh, my God. The smell like got me, <laughs> and because I didn't want to go under, because I have a hard I, like now that they changed the way that they put you under with the you know, Michael Jackson stuff, uh, you know that he got addicted F to fentanyl. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, not fentanyl. It's propofol or something. Oh like yeah, that. propofol. Yeah, yeah. And and so now I'm fine, but back then they didn't have that, and so I had a hard time waking up. Okay. Like they really. I woke up one time, doctor was slapping me, trying to wake me up, and I didn't know what the heck he was doing, and I slapped him. <laughs> so I was like, I don't want to go under. Wow. So, so yeah, they did that. And but but again, like you you some people can take pain and some can't. And I just I don't believe in taking high pain medicine, man. Wow. I just don't. I, Advil is it. I, I will I will just be in pain. No, they got to knock me out. The only time I've ever I've ever been in surgery and them not knock me out was in. Hopefully, this isn't graphic, but you know, I, I've I've been snipped, so I don't have kids. You know what I mean? Like, and uh, and, 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 I like pain. And I'm freaky. And, 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 yeah. and you're, uh, you know, that's funny. That is really funny. No, I don't like that kind of pain. <laughs> you believe that? Hello, goodbye. Oh my God. <laughs> And with that, sometimes to ease the pain, you can take some OGs <laughs> to help ease the pain. They got a great Happy Bounce gummy, which has a little bit of CBD in it, some THC. Uh, it kind of you know helps soothe some of those aches and pains, but also keeps you mellow and chill. So go to OGsBrands.com. Check them out for your nose, uh, closest dispensary. Uh, remember, you must be over the age of 21 to enjoy and re enjoy responsibly. And remember to follow them on social media at OGsBrands um, on both Instagram and on Twitter. They're a fantastic follow. Check them out. Great stuff. Let's get to Media Day because uh, we got to wrap the show up real soon. Um, Media Day, <clears throat> it was a. It felt like it was like just an, just a epic poem because it felt like it was eighteen hours that day because you know they they marshaled all mm -hmm. forty nine thousand people that are new to the organization to come to the stage and talk. So, uh, what were your biggest takeaways from Media Day? Like, was there a specific individual that you thought, man? 
I really like that guy or uh, a situation or, you know, cumulatively, what, what, what have you. It was the largest media day I've ever seen. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I mean, I when I walked in, I was like, what are all these people doing over here? And I, I saw Matt Ishbia, obviously, at the podium then. But the setup that the Sun set up was was brilliant. I loved it. Uh, I truly did. Right out there, right in the, what do you want to call it? The foyer, the large foyer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Festival, is that what they call yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, in front of the arena. Uh, but, man, the throng of media was, like, reminded me of a finals. Like, it was yeah. that m- many media that was there. And all the teams opened up that day. So they was dispatched, you know, media people dispatched everywhere. But in this time and day, man, with all the podcasts and all these different entities now, it's it's crazy with the oh, sports-related no. oh, no. news sources. <clears throat> like, you know. We're a podcast, Eddie. I know. Okay. No, I know. That's a good thing. I'm not a bad thing. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, that was impressive. Uh, and uh, so I like that aspect of it. Uh, you know, Devin, KD, and Nurkic, all them guys, they kept the throng there. There were the other guys came up. They only had about eight or nine guys there. Yeah. Take a little ego hit there, but I mean that's what it is, man. Yeah, but it's still a little ego hit. But still, uh it was it was tremendous. We had our radio show, Sirius XM NBA radio, off to the right. So we had an opportunity to interview a lot of the players uh, as they came off the podium as well. So uh look I you know, we got some players on this team that know exactly what to say to the media, yeah. right? And Devin is excellent at it. Uh, KD's excellent at it. Uh, so, you know, you're not going to get a ton. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Vogel is going to be really great for the media here in town. He's very uh, outspoken guy, but he just has an aura about him. Yeah, that he's easy makes to talk comfortable. to. Yeah, yeah. And, and so that's going to be nice, I think, <laughs> for the media here. You know, everybody has their own way. Like, Monty was a little bit more closed off, but that's okay. I mean, it to each its own. It wasn't a negative for Monty. I'm just saying in regards to Vogel, you know, he's a little bit more, you know, you, you, you he opens up to you in yeah. a sense. And so uh, that's going to be nice. Uh, I like that. I got an op- opportunity to interview uh, KD, Nurkic, uh, Bradley Beal, and uh, Eric Gordon. And uh, all of them were just super excited. Yeah. Uh, Bradley Beal was talking about how, you know, the weather, he's got to get used to the weather. I'm like, look, man, <laughs> you don't have to shovel snow. <clears throat> yes. Okay. So just just know that it's hot here in the summertime. You're not here in the summertime. So why you care? Yeah. And now you're going to enjoy it to the highest level. But don't think that it's 70 degrees all the time here in Phoenix. Okay. It can get to the 30s here. So don't wake up in the morning and go out the house with shorts on. Okay, so <laughs> he laughed. He said he knew, and so uh, he's very excited. They all they're all getting the question of point guard, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and and they all said to a man, like, look, we can all handle the ball. Uh, Bradley Beal said exactly what I've been saying. He said, look, all we need is somebody that can just get the ball up the court and give it to us and go stand. Yeah, yeah, that's it. You know, and so and that's it. You know, get somebody, and that's what the battle of point guards are going to be on this team. Who can get the ball, break pressure, get the ball up the court, 18 seconds left on the clock, and now you got 18 seconds to get into your play Mm -hmm. because they have a lot of options. That's gonna be the challenge for the Suns. Get the ball up quickly. 
that's probably why the fear would keep in Chris, right? Is because Chris was more methodical. Yeah. Once he crossed half court, you might have had 14, 12 to 14 seconds. Now your limitations are cut down now yeah. and who you can get the ball to. You get it up in 18 seconds, you can get to ABC option. And I think that's going to be the key for this team. I love that. Um, my two biggest takeaways, number one, uh, I'm team Grayson Allen. I'm sorry. I'm 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 here for it. I'm here for um, us to be the the hated. I mean, we're kind of already the hated just because people love to hate KD and Booker, and now we add Grayson Allen to the mix. I'm sign me up. I'm all in on Grayson. Like that's happening. Like, you see his body. <clears throat> he's in shape. No, no, no. Forget about his shape. He's strong. Woo. He got a little bigger. Is he married? Yes. Oh, yes. Well, because he wasn't married, boy, the lady was gonna be that's gonna be the new favorite player for the Suns. I mean, he's ripped, man. Like, I'm a fan of his. I, I was never, and I would tell him I wasn't into the kicking, you know, tripping guys. I yeah. don't know why he got that. I think that was just an anomaly with him. Uh, but he's a physical player. Yep. I love that. He's gonna talk junk. I love that. He built like, like you know, I was a little bit, you know. Uh, well, Conven he, convenient that you said uh, he's a good-looking dude physically, and then you threw yourself you into can the put, mix. You could put a picture of Grayson <clears throat> Allen up there, a picture of me up there, and you'll see. Like, We're about to Eddie, see some pictures of Eddie, you, actually, Eddie, in a yeah, second. No, I, you know, the, like real pictures where you see these guns. <laughs> but, no, he is. I'm serious, man. I said, dude, you've been lifting weights this said, yeah, yeah, I've got – yeah. He is – I'm telling you, the kid's ripped, okay? I believe you. He is you. nasty strong. And – the best part about Grayson Allen is he wears number eight. Okay. All right. I told him. I said, look, dude, you wear number eight. You better live up to it. Live up to it. All right. Like, yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, also, side note, I don't know if you really care about this kind of stuff, but uh, Grayson Allen and I uh, were wearing the same shoes. So that was pretty dope. He was wearing the Giannis's. I was sporting okay. the Giannis's. I'm, well, actually I'm glad, you, well, right so there I'm you glad you're cool. not telling everybody y'all wearing the same <laughs> underwear. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie, what is wrong with you right I'm now? I'm just curious. Well, that's so weird. Oh, that's not weird. That's just why would you Don't even nobody say that? care about shoes? Everybody cares no, about. Man, we're, this care is about a basketball no podcast. Of course, shoes, everybody man. cares about shoes. What are you talking yeah, about? Wearing the same shoes. So what? Dude, that's cool. Oh, man, get out of here, man. Oh, come on, man. You couldn't be in the locker room with us, man. You'd run man. out the locker room. We, we'd get on your case. See, I, we got to do a show about locker room. No, please, etiquette. let's do that. And how crazy we are. <clears throat> See, like, guys that played in the in the game in the locker room, they laughing because they know what I'm talking about. Okay. You know, I mean, who cares? We didn't try to match what each other wore. Yeah, I'm not talking about matching. Come on, man. Come on, Don't nobody man. care about you. First of all, first of all, first of all, first of all, like one of the wear. things that is that is hoop culture is that like if you come in the shoes with some scuffed up Air Force Ones like your bum ass is doing right now, then we got a problem. That's the facts. That is facts. You know that. Everybody knows I that. You can't do that listen. nowadays. In this locker room culture, you can't do that. Listen. Don't come in here. They can say whatever they want to say about my shoes. Mm -hmm. Okay. But you know what? I'll be busting they face. No, that's fine. That's fine. I, that's I fine. wear some Chuck Taylor. You were sitting there. I don't care. You were sitting I'm there wearing. talking about you players. Look with, pretty with you were sitting on, there man. talking. Dude, Devin Booker just got his first and shoe. I, I, and I'm that's happy a big for deal. Devin. I'm happy And you want to sit Devin. here and talk about shoes don't matter? I'm happy <clears> for Devin that he got some shoes. Oh, my goodness. Good. Hey, look. 
Nate Dunn, thank you. EJ on the wrong side here, not going to lie. Yes. Yeah, absolutely right. Let me tell you something. You're on the wrong side of this argument. Look, first and foremost. You thought you were burying me, and then you got taken out by your own avalanche. First and foremost, (laughs) one dude. First and foremost, man, look. I understand about the shoe thing, but it's over the top with that, man. Why? Look, because you know why? Because I want scuff marks on mine. You know why that tells I'm working? You want to walk around and always polishing your shoes. Oh, my God. And got some cheap-ass pants on. We are not talking about on the court. We're talking about shoe culture. Right. And you got some nice shoes, cost $200, and your pants cost $15. (laughs) What is that doing for you, man? Like, like I dress from the top down. Like, boom, 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 boom. You had to coordinate. You like boom. You had to coordinate. You like boom. Uh, uh, uh. Looking at your stuff, man. (laughs) You got some expensive shoes on and a pair of pants that cost $10. (laughs) What do I care about that? I'm looking at them cheap pants. You are so damn silly, man. I can't even even do this, man. It's nothing but love between EJ and I. I just want you all to know. Uh, Michael Jordan got hanged. So, Mike, look, that's my point. Oh, my God. Why do you so, keep bringing up the underwear? Because Michael Jordan, he promoted Eddie, Hank. in the course of the last five months, you have talked about wanting to see my feet, now wanting to know what underwear I wear. What <laughs> is wrong with you right now? Trust me. I don't see your bloomers, man. <laughs> Trust me on that. I do not oh want to see God. your bloomers. I trust me. My All goodness. I'm saying to you is, like, I would never... <laughs> By Haynes, just because Michael Jordan promoted. But do you know people do? I wouldn't. There's a reason I'm why it's called marketing. Them. I don't care. I'm not wearing them. <laughs> You're not wearing any underwear. <laughs> I wouldn't wear them if I had to wear Haynes. <laughs> okay. I mean, people, I guarantee people walk around, went out and got Haynes. Who, yes. who, 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 I wear the same underwear that MJ wear. <laughs> Come on, man. I don't know why you went to underwear, man. This is so crazy to me. All right. Uh, to wrap it up, uh, to wrap it up, on a serious note, um, I, you know, I think there, there, was a, there was a tweet that you had put out about an individual that used to coach you out uh, in Greece. And, mm-hmm. and here's the tweet. Uh, and you said, uh, I left the NBA in 1994 to 95 to work on my mental health. The strain of basketball was getting and getting older mm-hmm. and being perceived differently was taking a toll. This man rejuvenated me and allowed me to feel relevant by giving me a green light to be me again on the court. RIP coach at Olympiacos, uh, BC. And mm-hmm. the, the coach you're talking about, <clears throat> I'm sorry, uh, the coach you're talking about is Giannis uh, Ionidis. Mm-hmm. Uh, he coached you out in Greece. Right. Uh, uh and uh, I wanted you to give you the forum. Uh, but before that, I had I mm-hmm. promised that we were going to show off the, the body. We're going to show off a little bit of the game. Emma, if you could roll that video, please. Uh, we got some we got some nice footage of you over in Greece doing your thing. This is a this is a nice little thing uh, that they put together. Uh, it's like a highlight reel. Uh, it's very interesting how they spell your name in Greece. Obviously, you know they they have a, a different you yeah. know, alphabet or whatever. But uh, Eddie's putting in some work, as you can see in this video. But I wanted to give you a forum while this video rolls to talk about uh, your former coach, um, you know, what he meant. Yeah, best year of my life. Uh, I needed it. Uh, you know, when you get older in the NBA and you can see how the fans react, and that is true fire, people. Uh, it was a point in time in, in 90, 94, 90, 93, 94, where I was in Charlotte. And I think I hit, I hit, the, I hit a brick wall uh, mentally. 
because I was really like fighting the idea of getting older, playing the game and people perceiving me a different way. And I remember going to Charlotte and they hadn't even called me after they traded for me. Uh, when I got there, they wondered if, you know, they would keep me. And it kind of, I kind of hit a wall because I was still playing at a high level, but Alan Bristow, who's the coach there, he saw it a different way. And he went out of his way to make sure that I could not shine. Uh, he would limit my minutes. If I got hot, he'd take me out. It was just almost like he just didn't want to give in to the thought that I should command more minutes. And at times during that year, he had to play me and I averaged over 20 and seven, eight rebounds. And yet when the guys came back, he would put me back on the bench. And I think I hit a wall uh, mentally and I went through a tough time. And everybody does in their life. And I encourage people to recognize when you do, because when you do, then you got to either go seek help or you got to find a way to get yourself out of it. And for me, you know, I said, okay, uh, I got to find a way to get myself out of it. And lo and behold, I was in my free agent year. Uh, teams were trying to sign me uh, and I was being very patient. I wasn't rushing. And finally, you know, and Mark Bartlestein was my agent at the time. And finally, I just said, you know, I see some offers from European teams. I said, I want to take a trip over there, just take a look. And I took a trip to Greece and went in, uh, walked in, met the owner, uh, met the team, worked out with them, stayed there for about three or four days. I took about two bags. And I've got NBA teams trying to sign me, different teams, Indiana, Houston, all of them. And I just finally, I called home. I told my wife, I said, I'm staying. And it blew her away. Like, I said, I'm staying. I said, I need this break. Mm -hmm. And uh, I decided to stay. And she shipped the rest of my stuff. Uh, she came over a few months later. And I didn't know anything about Athens, Greece. I was like there by myself. I was living well. They were treating me well. So people don't feel sorry for me. I was in a four level house on the Mediterranean. Okay. I had a cook. I had a maid. I had everything. Okay. <laughs> so I was living the life, but I was away from home, but we were going two a days. So I got there. We were going two a days every day. I thought it eventually would stop. We went two a days for nine months. For nine months? Nine months we went Holy two a day. When we didn't play games. We practiced twice a day. And initially I was pushing back on this coach. I'm like, man, you crazy. You crazy. And after a few months, I'm like, you know what? I'm in the best shape I've been in in a while. Like, you know, and it just continued to grow on me and grow <clears> on me. I got into the culture. I started stop eating at just American type restaurants. I was eating at Greek restaurants. I was just hanging out. I was going to the you know, to the parties where you can throw plates and stuff and throw flowers at people. <laughs> and I was starting to get into the culture and it started to eliminate some of the pain that I was dealing with when I was here. Mm -hmm. And this coach took it to the highest level. Uh, Giannis took it to the highest level. He allowed me to return to being me, meaning I had the green light. I was the focal point of the team. The crowd loved me. Uh, it was just like, it was almost getting a feeling of Michael Jordan. Yeah, like what he went through his whole career, I got that in Greece. Uh, always on variety shows, always on TV, and being interviewed, 
couldn't go anywhere, had bodyguards. I mean, it was like, and I didn't need all of that. It was just the idea that I was living really what I had hoped to become as an NBA player to the highest level, which you don't do, Mm -hmm. even though I had a tremendous career up until that point. And the the green light he gave me and how he brought me back, but how he kept me right, like would scream at me, would get on me, would treat me like the others. It took me right to where back I needed to be. And everybody needs that in their life. And so when this guy passed away yesterday, it hit me because all those remembrances of him hit home. Everybody needs a person like that in their life or a situation in their life. And I, I applaud and I push for everybody that's going through some type of mental setback to always be conscious of that. Because mm-hmm. I was on the edge. I'm not kidding you. I was like having a difficult time. And uh, people didn't know that, you know, because they were like, oh, you making money and you in the NBA and all of that. But what people don't understand is there's a high percentage of players in the NBA that go through what I went through all the time. And I've learned to counsel a lot of those players. And a lot of those players are all famous that I've counseled, that, that I communicate with and talk to. And I know that they went through it when they were playing. And it's just a tough place to be. It really is, man. But you got to know how to get yourself out of it. That dude helped me get out of it, even though he was crazy. <laughs> like, yeah, but he was crazy in a good way. Yeah. Like, for instance, we were going, we, were, we had taken a, already an hour bus ride from where we were to, to a game. And we were at a stoplight. And I used to always ride up in the front because we had a young team and they were silly. And I just couldn't be around them, right? But I loved them, but they were just silly. So I was up in the front and I saw a black cat cross the street. And he would not let the bus go across where the black cat crossed. You know, Greeks are very superstitious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He made the bus turn around and we had to drive an extra 35 minutes to get back to the arena. We got there like around game time. He He refused to cross the black cat. So a week later, because animals are free to roam in Athens, like we, I had like 15 cats near my house. So I grabbed one of the cats, he was a black cat, put him in the car, cause I didn't want to practice that day. <laughs> <laughs> so I brought the cat, I brought the cat to the arena. <laughs> I let the cat go in the arena and I went downstairs. I said, hey guys, we got the day off. <laughs> So the black cat was running around the arena. He came out, he saw the black cat. Oh, practice, oh, it's over. It's all, get out of here. <laughs> oh my I never God. told, I, I never, I never told him until at the end, after we had won the championship in Greece, I told him that he was hot. <laughs> but yeah, man, you know, but he was, a, he was a great coach. And you know, a lot of Greek fans actually watch this show. They watch our podcast and so, you know, and give our condolences out yeah. uh, to Giannis. I need is a tremendous coach, and he's going to be sorely missed. Well, thanks for sharing that story, man. You know, that's that's something that's beautiful about life is that you just never know what situation you're going to find yourself in, and what what that situation mm-hmm. can do for you, um, even if it doesn't look like it might be the most ideal on the surface. Sometimes, yeah. funny things happen. You know, uh, I had a similar experience moving to Manhattan, Kansas. And, uh, you know, I won't go into the length of details that you did, but, you know, that kind of changed my life. You yeah. know what I mean? And I never thought that being in the middle of nowhere, Kansas, with a population of 20,000 people yeah. uh, would, would do that for me. Again, you just never know 
what things are going to lead to what in your life. And yeah. it's great that you had an open mind to really oh, be yeah. able to, to, to rece- receive it all because that's the other challenge to this is that you have to be willing to accept the help even you if it's to. in an indirect manner. You got to. Everybody goes through depression, man. Yeah. And if Everybody. you're out there and you're trying to avoid it, you're doing the wrong thing. You got to get help or you got to just pick up self-help books if you're embarrassed by it and just just find a way to work through it because uh, it's it's not fun. It's yeah. not fun. And like I said, most professional athletes, college players, high school players, it does not matter, go through depression. And you have to identify it and get through it. And if you go to Greece now, you got to understand, Eddie's still big there. Eddie's still big in Greece. <laughs> All right? So anytime I got friends that always go to Greece, and I tell them, just say my name. All they got to do is say they find out, who, what team do you support? And you tell them Eddie Johnson played for Olympiacos, you will probably get a free meal. Okay, <laughs> so just understand that my Greek friends don't want me to tell you all that, but you know they're under orders; they have to treat you well uh, if you go to Greece and you actually say my name. And it's been a lot of years since I've been there. I think the last time I've been there was I don't know about maybe 10, 15 years ago. Uh, but they always bring me back <clears throat> when I want to go back. It sounds uh, like it so. sounds like we need to make a trip, Eddie. Hey, I'm t- look. I get. I'll tell you this. If I, if I, you know, I can pat myself on the back. What the hell are you doing? You do it. Show? I mean, you what do it every day. Why not? You right. might as well do it. If we did go there and I alerted the media in Greece that we were showing up, I guarantee the airport would be packed. Dude, we're doing this. We're doing this. I anyway. guarantee it. <laughs> I appreciate you sharing that that story. Uh, sometimes you you know that those things can be a little vulnerable, um, and I always think it's great to give people insight into to those types of things because. It brings a, a sense of reality, mm-hmm. um, and we all go through this stuff. And uh, it, you know, it, not something to be ashamed of. We all no. go through it, and people just deal with it in different ways. So um, nothing wrong with you. Something wrong with you. No perfect person. There you go. Boom. That's a perfect quote right there. Uh, thanks for so much for joining us today. That's another episode of Outside Shots. Uh, you can follow my man on NBA. Serious Satellite Radio, NBA show, NBA today. today. Damn it, I always One get that to wrong. Four. Well, you're not on the show. Why should you have to remember? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah, you can join him in Justin. I remember Justin, Germany. Um, so there's that. You can follow him on Twitter as well at JumpShot8. You can follow me on Twitter at Saul underscore Bookman. You can follow the show at PHNX underscore Sons. We'll have more today at 3 o'clock with Lindsay and the crew um, as we talk more about day three of training camp. Until then, take care of yourself and peace.